Hello and welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis, and in this episode we meet Kat Manning. This artist knows a lot about how breweries are marketing themselves effectively, not only online, but also on their cans. This episode is brought to you by Nod Hill Brewery, making quality-driven, small-batch beers on a 100% solar-powered brew house in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Nod Hill specializes in modern hoppy beers, traditionally-minded German and Belgian styles, and both clean and mixed fermentation oak-aged barrels. For online ordering, home delivery options, taproom info, and where to find their beer across Connecticut, visit www.nodhillbrewery.com. So Kat is the marketing director for the Connecticut Brewers Guild, a photographer who owns Hello Studio, and the designer of some very attractive can labels for Connecticut breweries and cideries. For a podcast episode, this gets pretty visual. And if you want to see some of the cans that we'll discuss, go to beersnobrights.com slash podcast. And speaking of cans, stay tuned after the interview for the after party when I reveal the can from which I'm drinking that uh, confounded me and caused me to issue a formal apology. But first, let's listen in to my interview with Kat Manning. So Kat, I'm so happy that you're able to join me today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. You uh, play a really important role when it comes to Connecticut beer. Um, for one, you're the marketing director for the Connecticut Brewers Guild, um, but you're also a designer, uh, you know, a true artist, a photographer, and uh, so I love you know talking to people who can you know create um, visually. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience working with um, can design? Because I'm I'm I've been really interested in this in this topic, um, you know. Tell me a little bit about the the decision making process that you've gone through um, when it comes to like designing a can for a brewer. Sure. So I it's so it's it's honestly a it's always a different process. So for Marlowe Artisanal Ales, I get to come up with the name, um, or Zach and I work together to find a name that we're both happy with, and then from the name I create the design. So a lot of the names come from. Um, books that I've read or just sort of confusion of what a phrase should be (laughs) or um, personal experience. And so one that's coming out this week is called Ploosh. Ploosh. And that's a, (laughs) so it's an English style bitter. And so Ploosh is a game that my family plays with dice. And so that label is a whole bunch of dice piled together and um, sort of is in a, in a vision of being a sketch sort of like the a baseline of a drawing and baseline of 
family and so on. Uh, whereas uh, the first one that I did, the first the first can design I did all together was eager to share for Marlo. What Zach and I had did, we uh, we came up with a list of names of just things that we both thought would be good beer names. Um, I had a list that I had just sort of accumulated over time um, in an effort to name beers someday. <laughs> the idea eager to share just sort of brought to mind seagulls and how they're seemingly pretty terrible at sharing, but are always going after the same thing. And so I thought that seagulls sharing oranges and branches of oranges was a sort of a fun, quirky idea. What I really like about this can is that you have a lot of visual um, space. There's a lot of uh, room to breathe. It's a white can. Uh, I see wings uh, from a seagull and, and oranges. Um, do you have, a, would you consider yourself having you know, a general aesthetic when it comes to designing uh, labels? I like to think that I do. I uh, went to my, my undergrad is in photography and illustration from University of Hartford. So I spent a lot of time there studying drawing and, um, you know, so on, like anatomy and children's book design specifically. Um, and so I like to think that I have a good a good aesthetic and sense for design. Um, and then working with the can, too, it's, it's interesting to consider that the can is three-dimensional and you only see a sliver as you turn it. So you see more and more, but you also see less. So considering what the person is viewing in that sliver of the design and seeing how that compares all around the can is, is always a fun and interesting and challenging thing, thing to think about in regards to the design. Sure. I'm just looking at some of your other work, um, Nagging Curiosity. One is, uh, it's kind of a, uh, a teal, um, and it's uh, rather sparse, at least the, the, the side of the can that I can see. Um, when it comes to uh, creating the can, uh, a lot of times, you know, I think about what the customer would see, say, um, you know, on the shelf. Is that uh, an element of yours as well? How much of what you're thinking about is commercial in terms of saying like, oh, I got to grab, you know, the, the viewer's attention because I want them to buy this? Having a beer on the shelf and having it stand out is so important because you're not only competing with the different breweries and, and the different styles of beer, but you're also facing all the different designs. And it's a it's visually it can be visually overwhelming to look at a shelf of, of cans because they're all so beautiful and Definitely. there's different colors and yeah, just the way that people design their labels is just generally fascinating. So I found that I, when I'm designing a label, I look at the current trends and I'm always, always looking at new labels that come out. And I think that, especially with eager to share and nagging curiosity those are the first two designs i did and um having them sort of have that rest that visual rest when you're looking at it was very important yes. to me because it made it so that it was a little bit easier for the viewer to find in my opinion um whereas the mm -hmm. white stood out really well from the other cans and then with nagging curiosity the almost lack of of detail just gives that breath of okay maybe this is the can i'm gonna pick because it's the easiest to pick out from the masses of cans surrounding it 
I mean, from, from a consumer's perspective, there's a couple of things I'm looking for. I want to know the name of mm -hmm. the brewery. But even more so, I'd like to know what's in the can. So a, a helpful description of the style is always important. Like, for example, on that one, for Nagging Curiosity, I see you've got Hoppy Blonde mm -hmm. Ale, which I think that's what it says. Yes, and that to me is very important. <laughs> you know, that, that, that uh, ABV is great. Um, and then anything else um, is just... Um, you know the the aesthetics of it is all subconscious yeah. for me. I I don't know what it is what, that attracts me to a can, but I'm sure it's <laughs> something. You know, one thing I've noticed a lot in terms of cans of today, and I'd be interested to to hear your take on the ones that that you like. But there seems to be a real hard lean into cartooning or illustration. Just a lot of almost childlike uh, borderline, you know, a lot of bright colors, a lot of, uh, I don't even know the, the right artistic terms, but to me, it, it seems almost, um, you know, thick lines in between things. Um, do, are you seeing a lot of illustration cartooning? Uh, and is that the kind of uh, um, trends that you're seeing as well? I think that a lot of people are leaning towards the cartoony and thick lines look because it's sort of nostalgic and the way that i mean people of the of the generation who, who are mostly buying beer mostly buying craft beer i should say they're they seem to be within the bracket of like 25 and 40 years old and having that sort of nostalgic value of um old cartoons or old gaming styles uh, sits sits with the consumer a little bit more or it might bring back some sort of um, memory that they can then share with a friend or it just from my perspective it just sort of sets the baseline of a reason to buy the beer kind of gets them in, in a in a space that when they were safe yeah <laughs> or, or may, hopefully they had a safe childhood or when things were fun yeah yeah it's a fun nostalgic little sort of trip down memory lane to have to have that beer and with that label that might make you laugh or um think of like oh that time with my friend and <laughs> now are there any beers that uh beer can designs that you've seen lately lately that you really admire you know i was just in a, interviewed for a magazine about my favorite beer labels of this year oh and good they did the hard work for me they, they did <laughs> and um there was this amazing label that had 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 actually come out last year. I realized of um, of this tiger, and it was the most simple design. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the of the brewery or or the name of the beer really, but it it was just like this, okay. this tiger that sort of curved around the whole can in this really two dimensional way, and the color palette of it was. Um, this light pink with an orange and brown. And to me, that nice. was just the strangest combination of colors and um, just made no sense from, from a perspective of like, if you were looking at everything from the, the base, but then looking at it together on the can, um, mm. it was just so fluid and logical and just gorgeous. It reminded me a lot of sort of like a mid-century design. Nice. Um, 
which is just sort of the genre I lean to in general anyway, I guess. Right. But having so, seen that design, I, I would have just bought it. I would have bought multiple cans or packs just because of how good looking it was. Well, now I have to research this mysterious tiger. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> Please do. Um, so, okay. How about, uh, th there seems to be um, also, and b besides that kind of element of um, nostalgia, uh, there, there often seems to just be kind of like um, crazy arresting um, images. And often, as you had pointed out, you know, very humorous. I think of... Um, Craig Gilbert's work with um, New England Brewing Company. Oh yeah, and when I, I mean, you know, you know, going from, I mean, you know, one, one, I remember, it, you know, you could seriously be, you know, offended by it, or you could seriously, you know, uh, think it's hilarious. Would be um, his uh, wife's trash. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, they got they got the poor, you know, over, you know, super pregnant. Um, woman and uh they're obviously down on their luck out on their front of their their trailer and um you know it just it it absolutely seems like something out of uh, you know out of a uh a cartoon yeah with their three-legged dog in the background <laughs> exactly it's those little <laughs> details that you know you kind of go oh yeah open you're drinking it which is an excellent beer by the way and mm -hmm. yeah i could see like just kind of like kicking back and looking at the can i i kind of think of um you know, I, I connect beer and music way too often. Like, maybe it's just an easy analogy. But to me, the analogy is like a record co cover. And I grew up in an era when you bought LPs and you would pour over the photography, the imagery, looking for clues sometimes, you know, while you're listening to the music. Um, but it's, it doesn't always have to be that way, clearly. How do you, um, how do you create your... Uh, your your uh, designs what what format do you use to create it um so i mostly use an ipad pro to create um i do most of my sketching in the in my program too and i use procreate so mm -hmm. i sketch and then i the end result is completed in the program too so i just i, I basically get to draw digitally um oh. but i have all the tools that i could use in real life in there too i could use oil pastels i could use pencil i could use chalk marker um it's this really amazing program but most recently i'm working on a design for alvarium and that i had for whatever reason decided to do by hand um, okay and when i draw by hand for for labels i am always looking to to start on graph paper hmm. um just to help me sort of even when I'm drawing in my digital program, actually, too, I'm always using a grid to start to make sure everything is even and to mm. make, you know, make sure everything is centered or offset to where I like it. And I consider rule of thirds a lot. And sure. um, just composition is very important to me. So and then um, while you're creating the design, are you also creating the the um, the font uh, for the, the writing on it, or is that dictated by the brewery? Yeah, so with Marlowe cans, I handwrite everything, um, except for the text on the side, but the mm -hmm. name of the beer and usually the style and ABV is all done by hand. Um, nice. So I've sort of developed this sort of elongated font for that. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, yeah, I as I'm creating the... The beer, if I have the ability to choose the font, I cycle through about 15 before I decide on one that I like. But 
um, usually finding fonts through Google or through um, a font website and experimenting and seeing which ones play nicely with, with the thickness of line and the style that I've chosen. And you have you pretty much gotten free reign or do, do breweries kind of uh, get in there and say, you know, we really want this? I, I, I pretty much have free reign with, with Marlowe. I get to do most whatever I like. He's very flexible um, with, with the, the label art and the style. He, sure. We have a great work, working relationship in that regard. Um, and then when I did Painted Ladies for Armada, I was able to play with the font too. But usually um, a brewery does have sort of a baseline of things that they stick to. Like Alvarium's cans um, have, have the same font for, for every label. Mm. So it really yeah. depends. Yeah, some, sometimes I want to go with uniformity, and other times it's like, okay, brand new beer, brand new look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, I think there's, there, there's, uh, you know, there's something positive to say about both, especially, again, back to the whole, you know, when I'm picking out a can. Now, a lot of people um, already know they like a beer because they've had it in a tap room, and then they'll buy it even if it's just a black can or something like that. They're yeah. Like, I don't care. I like what's inside. Uh, now, if I... Was I always wondered about this, and you're the perfect person to ask. Why do we not see much photography on cans? And you're a photographer. Um, is there something that doesn't work? Has it been tested? I just rarely see any any photographs on cans. Yeah, even thinking about it now, um, I mean, the only brewery I can think of that uses photos on their cans, at least in the state of Connecticut, is Great Falls. Um, mm. and they have Tara Nugent doing their photos. She, she's a great photographer too, but she, um, most recently just photographed like this beautiful pile of melted s'mores. <laughs> <from their laughs> nice. <laughs> um, nice. but I feel like maybe that's not used as much just because it's not as easily relatable. Like a photograph mm. is an, it's an actualized object. It's an actual image. Um, unless it's more abstract, in which case it's, easier to to relate to in the masses but i think that drawings tend to resonate or resonate with with viewers more than photographs um sure just for like an ease of of i don't know what it is but maybe just ease of relation mm -hmm. maybe yeah i when i think about the basics of um cartooning i i um i think i have a book called understanding comics and um, you know, he was talking about, um, you know, drawing, uh, you know, like you think of when you, when you plug in, uh, you know, a three-pronged plug and you look at that and you see a face. Um, that, that is a face that is devoid of any, um, you know, real detail. And so you can put anything you want on it. And he talked about that. Once you get really into detail, you're suddenly taking the viewer participation kind of out of it. So yeah, I'm kind of wondering if that's part of it as well. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, and even to like buying, um, buying based on like when I even for wine, wine and beer, I will always buy based on label. And sure. I don't know if that's just because I'm a visual person or, or what, but like seeing something so cool and like a photograph, I mean, everyone takes pictures every day. And um, although like there's a, there's a difference between being a photographer and taking pictures <laughs> there, it is, it is more impressive, I think, for someone to look at a drawing 
and being like, yes. holy cow, like, look at this crazy lion with these reeds surrounding it or whatever it may be. See, basically, you only buy alcohol based on wild animals. <laughs> it's either a tiger or a lion. It seems like it. lions, tigers, or bears. Lions and tigers and bears. You know? <laughs> you, you know what it is, though? Yeah, if somebody just drew a smiley face and smacked it on a beer can, uh, or if somebody just put, took a picture of a smiling model and put it on a beer can, I'd be like, you clearly have not put in a lot of time into your mm -hmm. beer can, and, and who knows, I'm guessing it's going to translate to what's in the bottle. I mean, of course, that could be, like, completely off. Right. Well, you think even, too, of, like, the different beers that are coming out that are basically, like, um, uh, like Chex Mix or, or Dunkin' Donuts or um i think juicy fruit like so many breweries are taking these just well what are variations on the on a logo and using it on their cans too it's this strange this, an this anticipates my next question oh, great. which is how what do you think about borderline intellectual property infringements <laughs> that i've been seeing there's yeah. a lucky charms one that i've seen if it's like a one-off beer, I feel like it's okay. But if it's something that's you're sort of resting your laurels on, to me, it, yeah. it feels like it might not be the most creative way that someone could go about it. Sure, um, like like if they like if your your name of your brewery was you know um, uh, South Park Brewing, right? And, and then you, <laughs> somehow you're able to just use South Park characters, yeah. Unless they're part of the ownership structure, I'm thinking there's something going on. Yeah, it just it feels like sort of um, like the easy way to go to to go about something. So um, let's talk a little bit about your experience um, working social media. Um, you're really savvy at this. You do this for the the guild. Are you working with um, specific breweries as well? So this is actually how I got into the position that I have now with the Brewers Guild. Um, when I was working out of my photo studio in originally in New Milford, I so I was it was a photography studio. I was doing a lot of content creation that was mostly used for social media marketing. Um, so I was working with restaurants and breweries and makeup companies and CBD companies uh, to create this content that they could use on their social media um, to just sort of help incentivize followers or increase traction to their website. Sure. And, Were these uh, Connecticut um, companies? Uh, mostly Connecticut. I worked a lot with uh, a skincare company down in Florida. Um and then I worked with a brewery in Virginia and so on. So it just sort of spread nice. all over all over the East Coast, basically. Sure. But so I started started out my my sort of career path creating content for social media marketing. And after about a year of doing that, I ended up working for like six or seven breweries creating content. And I would do weekly visits um, so that I could be up to date on what they were trying to promote and events that they were having and sort of gear the content photo photographically or design wise to be on track with what they were trying to work towards. Mm, um, sure. And that, that included cideries, breweries, craft beer bars, and so on. And mm. so when the Brewers Guild 
position opened up, I already was working with so many people <laughs> that it yeah. was a natural transition to just representing everyone in the state and working to promote the Drink Local initiative overall. Right. And I, I think you've been doing a wonderful job at it. Um, I think you know, this whole concept of having one voice that kind of makes everybody a little bit louder um, is effective, but you're not overpowering. It's not like, you know, this is the Connecticut Brewers Guild state. <laughs> it's, it's, we've got these hundred plus breweries and um, you should check them out. You know, you're always about pushing them in that direction. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the best things that breweries are doing uh, social media wise? What is the most, some of the most inventive, creative, effective ways that they're using social media? I think that the way that people have been using um, video work mm. has been really, really just amazing to watch. Because, um, you know, videos get significantly more traction on social media than photographs alone, um, and just capture the attention of the audience, just in a more developed way. Um, and seeing, seeing like what Little House or what Tribus does with their videography is is so entertaining and creates this sort of brand appeal where yes. where you know the owners and the brewers so much better because you've seen them make these goofy videos and they're also educating you on their brand and what it's like to be there and um and sort of setting a precedent for what you should expect when you taste the beer and when you meet them and when you go there so i think that the video work that people are doing is just above and beyond what we should be doing. <laughs> I, I, I watched, I, I've been watching what Beard has been putting yes, out as well. They're fantastic. And, um, <laughs> you know what, I, and I love it because it's, um, it's, it's like a sketch comedy, yeah. but done really quickly. You know, you get the punch in. You, you don't know what the beard tastes like from the video, obviously. You don't even, you know, see any beer sometimes. Yeah. But the but the message comes across. These guys are fun, inventive. They they put they put a lot of work into everything they do. Um that, that kind of they're, they're optimistic, they're positive. So so video, that's that's important. Yeah. What else? What what do you think what else has uh been 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 effective? I think that um also so on top of video work, I think that pairing um, the beer with food has been really interesting to watch, like oh, even yeah. from posting. So I, and I also run new England cider companies, social media, and they, they have gotten significantly more traction on the posts where I photograph the cider with a plate of food and talk oh, about yeah. the combo and how the, the tasting notes and how it pairs well with savory dishes and, I, that gets so much more traction because you you give the viewer or the consumer this opportunity to understand more about what the beer is going to taste like and how they can enjoy it. Because, That's a really good point. Yeah, like like on so we're releasing cranberry cider at the end of this week, and mm. on on the label we are literally giving tasting notes now. Of uh, this cider goes well with savory foods such as um, soft cheeses and crackers and um, turkey and st and so on, just to give the person just an idea of what they can make for dinner or what the, just bringing right. other aspects of life into the, the beer or cider or whatever it may be. That food is something that we can all connect 
too, even if you aren't a cider drinker. If I, I'm certainly, uh, you know, not much of a, a wine drinker, but if I saw wine paired with a food that I love, I'd suddenly want both. Exactly. Yeah. And incorporating the different aspects of life into this beverage, as opposed to it just being about drinking, it's now more of an experience. Right. And we're starved for that. Um, I can tell you, I've had so few experiences. Uh, I mean, outside of being a new father and all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to get out and do more. And and, and, uh, and so if the next best thing is uh, scrolling up on my phone, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- what are some of the bigger mistakes that um, breweries are making uh, when it comes to um, promoting their brand, be it on a beer can um, or uh, online? I think that on a beer can, I think a lot of people are missing the opportunity of associating their uh, brewery name with their beer. A lot of the times I find it difficult to find who made a beer Mm, (laughs) on the label, (laughs) which seems so backwards. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah, it's it's true, it's true. You know, it's it's so artsy and so cool. And I'm like, I don't don't know who made this. I don't even know if it's beer. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen stuff and it's like, I see in the beer section, but for all I know, this is, you know, hard root beer or maybe it's, God forbid, hard seltzer, you know, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I need to know these things. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. They're just not being clear. Yeah. I think clarity of just your brand and what the style of beer is, it can, can somehow be overlooked because of the just just creating a beautiful can and it becomes secondary where I feel like your brand name should always be the first thing so that you that you stick with someone and they know that they can associate that quality of beer with your brewery absolutely um and on social media I think that a lot of people miss the boat on incorporating people into their social media like a lot of times there's a picture of uh beer with the can next to it yeah yeah, yeah. it's an advertisement but yeah yeah to me that seems really lonely (laughs) it is (laughs) yeah yeah i i i've i've d you know i've stopped uh following uh, accounts that just do that yeah i don't i don't see the point it doesn't bring anything to the person who's following it just says okay cool like there's a beer but it doesn't tell you anything or trigger any memory or just instill any sort of emotional connection at all (laughs) and i think half the time it's really just orange juice poured into a glass that's not i think that's that's not god that's not fear but yeah but but yeah they say it is you know um that's a really good point if there's no person or hey heck throwing a dog you know something alive yeah (laughs) something that just makes someone say oh or oh that looks fun (laughs) sure yeah or throw a hamburger in the picture and say oh my gosh that looks good i'm hungry like i might go there for dinner later <laughs> oh yeah so so the hierarchy is person but if you can't get a person food yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta have one of those okay it is time for the lightning round <laughs> okay great <laughs> and uh you're gonna have about three seconds to answer beginning answer uh, all of these the difficult questions I'm so okay you should be do, do you feel the the rumbling i think the lightning rumble is still going on yeah my light just flickered <laughs> it happens okay ready mm-hmm. what's better dog or cat dog 
for somebody named Cat. That was quick. <laughs> um, what have you never photographed but hope that you can one day? Dogs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. She's never taken a picture That's of a dog. That's not true. I have a dog okay. and I photograph him too much. <laughs> All right. So you. Uh, maybe there's no a, right or wrong answer, but that was the wrong answer. Maybe it's so. a celebrity. <laughs> All right, not, maybe I should make it four seconds. You, you, you seem very amped up. Okay, this is good. This is good. Okay, um, so I will take celebrity. That will be your. That will be your answer. Um, what's the most unusual thing that you've uh, ever photographed? Uh, a pile of bananas. Correct. <laughs> All right. Now my wife wants me to ask these questions. I don't know what they mean. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> I want to add another layer of tension. Pantone or RGB? Pantone. Illustrator or Quark? Illustrator. Great. I don't know. Those, those seem to be some sort of design software, I'm guessing. <laughs> I thought it, yeah. Favorite beer style right now? Farmhouse ales. Good. What instruments can you play? Uh, the ukulele, the nice. harmonica, and I'm learning the chanter right now. What's the What's a chanter? Uh, my dad is a bagpiper. Oh. So the chanter is sort of like um, an introductory bagpiping instrument. So <laughs> it's a it's a smaller bagpipe that you can play indoors. It's basically. Um, it doesn't have the bag and it doesn't have the drones. It's it's like uh it looks like it, it would be like a like a clarinet, but it's not a clarinet. <laughs> is it lo- is it loud? Uh it's not terribly loud, but it's not quiet. Yeah. <laughs> the chanter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh I'm really psyched to be playing some chanter music behind us right now. So <laughs> It sounds good. Yeah, okay. Now I get it. Now I get it. So you're going to graduate to the bagpipes or just chant chanter all the way? My goal is to be able to play the a happy birthday on the bagpipes for a friend. <laughs> How, what's the what's the deadline for this? Well, her birthday is in November, November 18th. So I'm hoping to uh to burst into her house and play bagpipes for her. Oh. I like your confidence that she'll never hear this. So, you know, but uh, I wish you luck. That sounds like a lot of fun. I definitely would want to be uh, uh, serenaded on a chanter, though, as opposed to a full bagpipe, just for for the volume. Yeah, that makes sense. Happy birthday. You're going to the doctors. Um, (laughs) All right. And last one. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, I think the best advice I ever received was that friendship is a form of currency. Um, and that if you make friends with everyone and try to just meet as many people as possible, then you're going to be fine because, you know, networking is so important and friendships are so important. And in, in regard to mental health and just general happiness, I think that friendship is is really up there <laughs> you follow this advice you've got a lot of friends i talk to more people <laughs> nice. like i i don't think that i have a filter anymore i just go up to strangers and i'm like oh my gosh i love your shoes or i'd be like hey what'd you eat for breakfast <laughs> what is pepper what does pepper spray taste like what <laughs> 
you know, I, I, you know, if you walk up with a smile, <laughs> how would you know nowadays? I know <laughs> you have to learn how to smile with your eyes. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. I've never been able to do anything like that. I, I always come across like I'm scowling. It doesn't matter. Um, that's beautiful. I like that advice. I'm chalking that one. I'm writing that one down. Uh, friendship is a form of currency, and I'm sure that you're very wealthy in that regard. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit um, about the role that women um, have been playing in beer. Uh, you can speak to in your experience in Connecticut. Um, you know, it certainly is. Uh, it, they certainly seem to be underrepresented on the whole. Uh, when when I just think about the ownership structure and uh, the faces of breweries, and frankly, a lot of the faces of drinkers. Although, you know, I'd say you know when I go to breweries and go to um, festivals, I see a lot more women. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see the role of women um, going? How has it changed in, in your experience uh, being in beer? I think that women are severely up, un, underrepresented in the beer industry, but I don't think that that's something that's going to last longer. Because if you think about sort of the evolution of breweries as a whole, it was always this sort of thing where you envisioned like big dudes with beards hanging out drinking beer and like burping and being gross. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and now breweries are becoming way more accessible to to women in regards that they might serve different styles that are more appealing to them um, or they might serve wine at the place too and they are able to introduce themselves to beer more comfortably. Um, and they're burping and being gross too. Yeah, you know. Which is awesome. <laughs> but I think that the the environment as a whole for breweries is becoming more welcoming to women. Sure. Just in, in efforts of broadening their menus or having women as bartenders or having more of an educational aspect to it where it's easier for women to come in and, and feel comfortable because if you're someone like me, I'm 27 years old. If, if I knew that a bar was filled with guys and there was a low population of women, I wouldn't want to go in. Sure. I would go somewhere else. But knowing right. that that breweries don't have that that feeling anymore, it's more accessible all over. Like I feel totally comfortable going into any brewery and knowing that there'll be a decent population of women and that likely there will be a, there will be a woman behind the bar or working somewhere who I can connect with immediately. And there's that level of comfort knowing that you have women around you. Um but in regard to brewing, too, I think that as things open up more for levels of comfort, um, that more women will take interest in brewing. Like we have an amazing woman brewer over at Hop Culture, mm-hmm. and she's so educated and like really takes pride in her product and educating people on what she's making and creating diverse styles. And um, it's inspiring. And I think that as women see other women thriving in the industry, they will then also take the the ownership to to also get in the industry. Right. Success leads to more success in, in that category. Yeah. I think that it's slowly opening and is on the upswing of being a more inclusive environment. Now, is there anything that you, would you say, would you recommend that, 
that your members, for example, of the Brewers Guild, is there anything that breweries can do consciously to to make for better environments? I think that, I mean, I think that breweries are, are doing, um, at least in Connecticut from what I've seen, I think that breweries are doing a, a good job highlighting their female employees and making sure that they're as educated or more educated than the average, you know, just employee who like if I worked at a restaurant, I wouldn't maybe necessarily know everything about every beer, but if a woman is working at a brewery guaranteed, they know every single thing about every style of beer. They might've had a hand in making it or also have another job, maybe on the canning line or, um, Mm -hmm. helping out the brewer or being a part of the process, which just makes the experience as a whole more exciting. And when someone asks what, a Hefeweizen is the woman bartender or woman employee would confidently be like, Oh, let me tell you it's this, this, and this, these are the tasting notes you're going to get. We made it with these hops. These malts are from wherever. And having that sort of education, I think educating your employees overall on what you're producing is insanely important, but having a confident female figure being a part of the face of your brewery, is a game changer for the clientele that you're going to get. Do you think that women bring a different perspective to say describing tasting notes or uh, management of a tap room, for example, is there something about uh, a woman's experience prior that you think makes them um, particularly an asset compared to hiring another man? I think it's hard to say based on gender mm-hmm. uh, who is more of a who, who is more of just sort of a valued employee. But I think that given the same opportunities and given the means to thrive, everyone is capable of being the best that they can be. But I think that women just as a whole sort of coming out from that sort of level of oppression throughout history have a certain kind of drive that pushes them to want to be better right. um, in a lot of cases, not necessarily for all cases, but in a lot of cases. I, I, I understand. I hear what you're saying. Um, let's talk a little bit about the state of Connecticut breweries. Um, as uh, in your role at the Connecticut Brewers Guild, you know, you're certainly uh, on the, um, uh, you know, in the know uh, when it comes to what's going on. We're in an unprecedented era, uh, but it seems like there are new breweries opening up um, almost as often as it was pre-COVID. Um, what would you say is the state of Connecticut breweries? What's exciting you about this time? Um, what should people know that are, you know, just casual about Connecticut beer? Uh, I think that, yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of breweries opening up. Um, I think that pre-COVID, there were 20 permits for new breweries to open within the year. Mm. Um, and some people have put things on pause and others have followed through. And like New Asylum in Newtown seems yeah. to be doing amazing. Yeah. Um, and they have a gorgeous tap room. And um, I think that, I mean, it's important to support local as much as you can. And we just recently passed a proclamation bill making the month of September Connecticut Craft Beer Month, 
Um, we are in it. We yeah. are in it. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. The thirsty 30. Yes. <laughs> so, so we're trying really hard just to push the Drink Local initiative right now, especially because for a lot of breweries in the COVID pandemic, it's really hard to survive. Like people who don't can or people who don't distribute or people who have a really small tap room are sort of limited to what they can do legally like a 50 percent capacity indoors um with capacity outside but a lot of people don't have that or they don't distribute and there's this like means for doing everything you can to survive and i think that right now in these times if you're going to buy some beer somewhere like go to the brewery supporting local right now means that in six months that place could still be there where as going and buying whatever from whoever might mean that the business down the road from you won't be around in a few months. And I think it's a really scary time. And I think that it's the most important time for people to understand that what is in their local economy is fragile. I think there's a lot of great things to look forward to with uh, Connecticut beers, but wherever you're listening to this in your home state, for sure, uh, I would say most states probably have some form of guild. Is that oh, is that definitely your experience? Yeah, I think that there's a guild in most every state. I think maybe six or seven. There's not, mm. but you can find mm. out all the information on the Brewers Association, a Brewers Association's website too. You can see how many barrels your state produces per year, uh, how many breweries, how many people are employed, the the economic impact of breweries as a whole in your state. It's really fascinating just to see the impact that breweries have. It's true. There are so many great resources out there for people. And, you know, the, the for, but for jumping off spot, Connecticut.beer for sure is, is uh, one of my favorites. Um, I'm also, I'm using the app uh, oh, on my phone. Uh, I've gone to um, four breweries, remembered to pull out my phone at three of them. So, <laughs> I will I will be back but uh it's it's a it's a wonderful uh, a wonderful uh, addition. Uh, I had to wean myself off of untapped. I was I was having I was having a problem with untapped. Oh okay. Uh I was loving it a little too much. So <laughs> um I haven't used it in a long time but I will continue to use the uh, Connecticut Beer Trail app so. Great. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. yeah we we just released it so there's you know, there's with every new app, there's always a few bug fixes, but I think that it's a really fun and easy way to figure out what's around you. There's a 117 breweries in the state. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I've got this physical therapist, I'm getting, you know, shoulder work done. And he's always quizzing me on, on, on beers. And, <laughs> uh, and I'm just always like, you got to check out this app. It's probably going to answer everything, but you know, I'm going to be out of a job if if apps take over. So I hope there's still some, you know, human element to to this, but uh, you know, if if you can't read my column or you can't listen to the podcast, all right, go to the app. It's fine. Um Kat, you're uh, you're a wonderful person to talk to. Oh, good. Yeah, this was great. Thank you for for having me on and it was so so much fun to chat. My thanks to the super delightful Cat Manning. You can follow her on Instagram at Cat Manning. That's Cat with a K. Her studio website is hellostudioct.com. 
and it's on Instagram as well, at hellostudio underscore ct. Welcome to the after party. Grab a comfy throw pillow, uh, open another beer. So Kat did look it up and uh, let me know later the name of that beer with the cool tiger label. It was Bulletproof Tiger from Basqueland Brewing, a Spanish brewery, and they apparently make a New England IPA, but then again, doesn't everybody. Um, It's been a nice week uh, for me, if not for the nation. That's about as political as I get here. Um, Let's see, my shoulder's getting stronger after surgery. Um, My baby is close to crawling. But much more importantly, I need to talk to you about this uh, beer. I am not uh, on time for this party, for this uh, beer. Uh, But I'm here, and I've tried it, and I've got to say it shocked me. Run Wild IPA by Athletic Brewing. They're out of Stratford, Connecticut, and now brewing out of San Diego. Okay, this is a non-alcoholic beer, and I've got to say I never thought that I would enjoy one, and I enjoy this one immensely. Um, I've had it with tacos. I've had it by itself. It's a real West Coast-style IPA, and it's, you know, 0.5% alcohol by volume. Um, Totally blown away. If you haven't tried uh, athletic stuff, please do. which is also a good segue to the fact that on next week's show, I will be interviewing John Walker, who is Athletic's uh, co-founder and head brewer. So check that one out. That'll be episode 37. And uh, after that, in the episode coming after that, I will debut my first co-host. Who will it be? I'll give you a hint. He's a professional brewer. Big shocker. All right. Well, until next time, sip well. One, two, three, four.